Hi, I'm Brooke. And I'm Tom. And welcome to another episode of Film Frenzy Friday. Uh, (laughs) This week, we watched The King of Staten Island. Um, I have never seen this movie until this weekend with uh, Pete Davidson, which I I believe I've seen him in other things. He is um, on SNL. He used to also date Ariana Grande. Okay. Yeah. I don't know who Belle Pauly is. Don't remember yeah. her from anything. You got Marissa Tomei. You got Bill Burr, which uh, you know he was in Mandalorian recently. Oh, that's why he looks yes. familiar. I got mm-hmm. it. And then a, a couple other um, actors: uh, Machine Gun Kelly, um, Steve Buscemi, who actually showed up in like a real split second, and I was like, I saw him. I saw Steve Buscemi, <laughs> and then he became more of a a, a known character. In this in the story, um, but yeah, most of these other actors I don't really I don't really know of. They're not like a list or anything. Yeah, there's a lot of nobodies in this movie. I would say probably like Pete Davidson um, and maybe Steve Buscemi are the most well known. I mean, Pete Davidson's really relevant right now. I'd say right. It almost seems like a Kevin Smith type of movie where they just yeah. kind of threw people in it. Yeah. It almost felt low budget. But yeah, a little it bit. Really wasn't. Um, so while we're talking about the cast for a moment, I just want to ask you a question. Um, when you think of Steve Buscemi, what is the movie that you think of? I think of him in uh, Mr. Deeds for some reason. <laughs> when he plays the guy with the weird eyes. <laughs> That's the first thing that came to my mind when you asked. So my Steve Buscemi movie is spy kids 2 okay that is the first i've I've never seen that (laughs) that is the first movie i ever saw steve buscemi in it and he has this really deep quote in it just for no reason because he his whole like character in this movie just creates like these like really weird like monster type like frankenstein type shit and he has this quote where he he says and i'm gonna quote it for you because i know it by heart do you think that God stays in heaven because he too fears what he has created here on earth. That's Steve Buscemi quote. From that movie, from yep. Spy Kids 2. Yep. Okay. <laughs> I don't even so, know what that movie's about, honestly. It's the second, it's about Spy Kids, but the second time around. Okay. That's not the one with Taylor Lautner, is it? No, that's um, Sharkboy and Lava Girl. Oh, okay. See, I don't know those kids' movies. That's Shame fair. on me. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, Steve Buscemi aside, um, let's hop into uh, King of Staten Island, I guess. Okay. Um, so King of Staten Island is, it's not a biopic about, um, I was going to say Steve Buscemi. I got Steve Buscemi on the brain. Um, it's not a biopic necessarily about Pete Davidson, but it's largely based on his life. So a lot of the things about the movie, like also pertain to him in real life. Like he lived with his mom until he was 24. I think he still lives with his mom in Staten Island. Um, and you know, his dad is dead, but his, and his dad was a firefighter, but he died in 9-11, which is like kind of fucked up. But yeah, there's a lot of, um similarities between pete davidson's character and actual pete davidson right 
So. I didn't see. I didn't know all that coming into this movie. I didn't really know what the movie was even about. I think I saw the trailer. So one of the guys showed me at work, um, and it seemed like it was a uh, like more of a funny movie. I know it's got funny parts to it, but I don't really know if you would consider this a comedy. It's just more of a drama. I would call it a dramedy. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there are parts in there that were like over the top, like dark humor. Yeah. And then there was stuff that was just stupid funny to me. You yeah. Know? There are a lot of good one-liners in this movie, definitely. Well, honestly, the the first thing that got me, he's sitting in the, I guess it's his basement with mm-hmm. all his buddies, and the subject of his dad comes up, and he says, oh, you know, my dad's dead. So they're all just talking or whatever, and the one guy goes, knock, knock, and he says, who's there? Not your dad. <laughs> and I was like, uh... That's fucked up. <laughs> yeah. But I guess that just, that goes to show you right there the, the I don't know, the friends that he's got. I don't know the mentality mm-hmm. of them. Well, I mean, you know, they say in the movie, like, something about, they make a mention about, like, being millennials. And that is very much, like, a millennial coping mechanism is, like, dark humor and, like, laughing about, like, the sad things in your life. So, I mean, it definitely makes sense. Right. You Gen Xers just don't get it. Well, it's not that I don't get it. <laughs> no, I but know. But it's more, it's more like those, um, the jokes that you, they're so dark about, you know, could be somebody that just died or something that happened to somebody. Yeah. And then the, the whole thing is, oh, too soon, you know? Yeah. Like Tommy had a joke the other day about Tiger Woods. It said, what does Tiger Woods struggle with the most at golf? Oh, no. What is it? Driving. I mean, yes. (laughs) That's messed up, but it was one of those too soon, but I think I said it at work to somebody and they didn't think it was so funny. That's like that joke that Tyler told the other day that was, um, how do you make a plumber cry? Um, he never gave the punchline on that. I will give you the punchline. It's you kill his whole family. (laughs) Oh, that was the punchline. Yes. (laughs) And why is that funny? (laughs) Because you don't expect it. I don't find anything humorous about that. I don't understand. <laughs> just dark humor, you know. Okay. I don't, <laughs> you have I, to have a twisted sense of humor. Am I too old to understand? I think so. I think that it, it might be the age. Okay. Well, I know <laughs> there's a lot of jokes you guys throw out there and you crack up at. And I say, okay, I get it, but it's not that funny. I mean, it's funny, but it's not that funny. Hmm. That's fair. I don't know. Some of the my one-liner that, you know, you guys with the whole dad jokes thing. I, I like a good dad joke. Simple, to the point. Mm. You know, like uh, what what happened to the cannibal that was late for dinner? He got the cold shoulder. Oh, yes. That's just a, <laughs> that's just a good quality dad joke. Yes, you're right. You're correct. So, jokes aside. So, this movie, you got Scott, who is... Pete Davidson's character. Yes. Do we know what his last name is in this movie? I don't think he has one. Okay. So his... No last name. Okay. So Scott, Scott no last no name. No last name. <laughs> obviously is suffering from depression. Movie starts and he's in his car driving down the highway mm-hmm. and he decides he's going to close his eyes while he's driving. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, this guy obviously doesn't care if he dies, you know. Mm-hmm. It was, I really, I don't want to say disturbing, but it's like one of those, 
you know, you're trying to you're trying to understand what the story's about, and that's the first thing you get is mm-hmm. you know, he, there's something wrong with him. Not necessarily depression at this point, but over time you find out you know his dad died. He's got that group of friends. They tell the the dark knock knock joke at him, and uh, he basically is is said that he's taken antidepressants. You know, he has right. a problem with the girlfriend. The not girlfriend. The not girlfriend, Kelsey. <laughs> Um, and I don't even know what their deal is. You know, it's just, they're hooking up, I guess. She wants more. He doesn't. Is that how we interpret it? I would definitely call it like a friends with benefits, but she caught feelings and he doesn't really reciprocate. I mean, he might, but he doesn't want to. Right. It's very complicated on his end, I think. And I think it's because throughout the movie we see he has these like, horrible self-esteem issues and it has to do something with that probably Mm -hmm. well they don't really talk too much about his child life right i mean his dad died when he was like eight or something like that Mm -hmm. went to a fire and never came home kind of situation yeah um marissa tomei plays his mother which is funny because she's in so many different movies especially lately you know her being in spider-man yeah but i remember her from my cousin Vinny, the best, you know. Mm, you're right. It's just funny to see her older in completely different roles than she ever played in that one. Right. And, you know, it's just, it's different. But it's, it's she's developed into that um, actress, I believe. You know, she can play those parts. Yeah. Um, so it moves forward in, in, the, in the movie and um, the sister's graduating. Mm-hmm. And... You get that feeling that she doesn't want him there. Yes. But she does. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really know how to take that at the time. You know, she's she's afraid of leaving, you know, because he's a, she's afraid of what he's going to do to the mother. You know, like, don't, don't treat her bad or whatever. Right. Um, and then what they hang out in their basement... Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And they're like dealing drugs out of there. Yeah. <laughs> and the, that kid comes up to the window and he's at, asking for something. I forget what he's asking for. Yes, for six Xanax. But he's like, he said he knows his brother and uh, I fucking hate your brother. Um, you're paying for six and you're only getting four. Something like that. I was like, that's, that's just a weird ass drug deal going on. <laughs> yeah. And then they're like, give us your shoes. Give us your right. shoes. What size are you? Six? Oh, that'll fit Igor. And actually, Igor um, is played by Moises Arias, who played um, Rico on Hannah Montana. So it is very <laughs> strange to see him go from a Disney star to now playing a drug addict alongside Pete Davidson. I just think it's a funny turn of events. Yeah, I don't know Hannah Montana, and I've never seen that guy before. All I know is that he's really small. Yeah. And I don't know, is, is Pete Davidson just really that tall? He's like Because the scene where they were tall. playing where they were playing basketball, it was like, oh my god, that guy is really that short. Yeah, no, Pete Davidson is fucking tall. He's got to be like 6'5 or something crazy. He's like a beanpole. Yeah. And yeah. are his tattoos in this movie real? Yes, he has all of those tattoos. All those weird-ass tattoos are real? Yes. Interesting. Okay. 
I was just going to say that I watched him, I watched an episode of SNL the other day uh, from like a week or two ago, and he played Machine Gun Kelly, who plays the tattoo artist in this movie, in an SNL bit, and he actually had his tattoos out, and he just had a vest on and like a pair of like weird shorts, <laughs> and he was Machine Gun Kelly. It was funny. Weird. Um, I want to get to the point where he's talking about wanting to open the tattoo restaurant. <laughs> Because I love Ruby. the name. <laughs> Ruby, Ruby Tattoos, Tattoos Days. I love that. When they yeah. said that, I, I, I literally was laughing. <laughs> Ruby Tattoos Days. Because there's something about Pete Davidson's delivery, and I think that's what makes him so funny, is that he's just like, what? Like, what? What do you mean? Yes, that's what I'm saying to you. I don't care how ridiculous it is. That's what I'm saying to you. Why Why? Why do you not understand? <laughs> it's just so funny. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm having a hard time relating him to something else because I can't think of something else that he was in to kind of differentiate between his acting and the character. Mm. Or if he is acting and that's himself. You know what I mean? I guess in yeah. this movie he's supposed to be himself. But I'm trying to picture him in another role to get more of a, you know, is that really how he is? What? If you understand. Don't even know what else he's in. I know he's on SNL, but I don't know if he's in anything else. I feel like he was in something. He's six three, by the way. Hey, that's how tall I am. There you go. Not that. In tall. case anybody out there wanted to know, but I'm not that skinny. Yeah, he was really just became famous from dating famous people. It seems like he was in Trainwreck. He was in Trainwreck. Where was he in Where? Trainwreck? I don't know. Dr. Connor's patient. Hmm. Set it up. What men want. The big adolescence. The dirt. Oh, the dirt. I want to well, I want to see that movie. Angry Birds 2 movie. I believe that. Oh, he was in uh, Suicide Squad. No, he's going to be in the new Suicide Squad. 2021. Oh. oh, it says that. I see that. Okay. And he was in The King of Staten Island. Right. Oh, he's in television, too. Nothing I know of. So, yeah, I don't know where I know him from. Probably just SNL, to be honest with you. I don't really know SNL that well. Yeah, but, I mean, you see things from SNL without even realizing they're from SNL. These no, days. like clips or something. Could be. Yeah. So, so he likes... So, you know, he wants to open up the Ruby Tattoos days, but he's not a good tattoo artist. Like, at yeah. all. Um, and there's a couple things about that that I find strange. So, you got the kid that comes out of the woods. <laughs> Harold. Um, Harold. And he says, what are you guys doing? You know, they're at the beach. They always they, they were calling it the woods in the movie. But I don't really see it as the woods because they were at the beach. But anyway, he comes walking up onto the beach. And he's like, what are you guys doing? And he's like, oh, we're just giving tattoos. And he gave Igor a tattoo, I guess, at that point. And the kid's like, oh, I want a tattoo. He's like, oh. And obviously, the kid's like 12 years old. And he's like, you're 18, right? Oh, yeah, he's got consent. No, man, you can't do it. You can't do that. Yeah, yeah, man, what do you want? Oh, the Punisher. You want the <laughs> Punisher? All right. So he just <laughs> starts drawing freehand with his tattoo gun, draws one line, the kid freaks out. So he's got this one line. He's trying to tell him, oh, man, it's going to look stupid. you got to let me finish it. So, in his weird, twisted mind, 
he didn't see anything wrong with that at no. all. Nope. Which I find hilarious. <laughs> Just, I, I don't know why, but. Yeah, this, these, like, three scenes after this, it's like a bang, bang, bang. So it's like, first, he tattoos the kid. Then the kid's dad shows up at his house, which was freaking fast. And then he has the dinner with the girlfriend where he makes fun of the guy. But this whole, like, throughout this whole movie, you really see that Scott creates problems, but he doesn't really ever deal with the actual solution. Like, he doesn't, he creates problems, but doesn't solve them. He leaves them for somebody else to solve. So you see a bunch of different instances with this. Like, first, he um, closes his eyes while he's driving the car, and then makes the other two cars crash into each other because he cut them off. And then he doesn't stop. Right. Then he tattoos Harold in the woods and then his mom pays for it and she just yells at him. And like that's all the that's all he really suffers, which his mom doesn't pay for it in the end, but and just like a bunch of stuff. That's what we're up to right now, but he really creates these problems and then doesn't solve them. So I think that's what makes the midpoint of this movie hit a little bit harder when he finally does suffer the consequences of his actions. Right, but yeah, he but like you said, he doesn't really take responsibility. Right, and it's like a like continuing theme. Like you see him do it fucking constantly. It's right. almost annoying. <laughs> yeah, in a way, because he's like a deadbeat. Right. So I guess that that this introduces um, Ray as a character, who Ray is Harold's father, Bill Burr. Right. Who um, randomly shows up at. Margie and Scott's house and is like hi your kid tattooed my kid in the woods what the fuck is wrong with you please pay for it right and he but at that point he doesn't know who she is right yeah which I don't even know how they even tracked him down honestly yeah I have no idea it's just I think it's just one of those movie magics that they just show up there yeah that part's a little unrealistic but I mean he's a firefighter so I guess he could have those connections he probably knows somebody who knows somebody i don't think that ray is completely honest in the beginning in not knowing who um margie and scott are because like obviously he has that firehouse connection so yeah and i almost get yeah because he says when he finally admits that he knows who the father is mm -hmm. he was saying how oh he's such a good guy and everything but then it comes out later that he didn't really care for him because he was like a, a loose cannon kind of thing. Right, exactly. Plus, plus, I think it comes out also that he was a druggie. Right. Which I wonder if that's a true story if it was just for the movie. Yeah, I'm not sure. I would hope it was just for the movie because that's kind of sad if that's if that was real. Yeah. So, yeah, so he he takes her out on a date without... Scott knowing, correct? Right. Yeah. So they go out on the date, and he he starts talking about how he knew him, you know, and, you know, he really respected him, and you know, all, all that that stuff. I think he was just telling her what she wanted to hear at the time, mm -hmm. because obviously he has his own problems, and he's almost look. I don't know. If he's looking for a free ride, but in a way, he's almost just as bad as the son. Yeah. If you really think about that, you're correct. Yeah, I agree. And now I don't know. I guess it's later on, though, that they end up at the restaurant that 
yeah. Scott works at. Yeah. So she forced him to get a job, correct? At that point? Because that's his first job. With the job, it's... I guess... I don't know if Claire's friend is her cousin or actually or just her friend but for whatever reason her oh maybe it's the mom's sister's husband or something it's like her cousin their cousin or something i thought it was his uncle maybe something like that owns the restaurant yeah and And you know what's funny did you notice the the cousin or whoever that is that owns it it was the cousin that was in the departed he was the cousin of DiCaprio's character in Departed, the one that was selling the drugs, the sleazy one. Yep, he was <laughs> the he was the same actor that played the the restaurant owner. That's funny. I didn't know that in this movie. Um, so yeah, so he's a busboy at this restaurant, mm-hmm. and at the end of the night, when they go to split their tips, yeah, the owner makes them fight for it. With he's Hulk like, what are you talking about? Yeah. He's like, what are, you, what are you talking about? Oh, yeah, you got to fight for your tips. Oh, you don't just split them up? No, there's no fun in that. You guys can just go at it, and the winner gets the, the tips. God. So he, he obviously can't fight, because uh, I think he gets knocked out right away. Yeah, he does. But then when the, the, uh, the mother and boyfriend, Ray, show up, he gets all pissed. And at the end of the night, he's like, I want to fight. I want my tips. I want to fight. And the little Spanish, I don't know if he's the cook or the dishwasher or whatever he is, but he's like, you know, I want to, I'm going to fight you. And he's like, okay. And he like walks right into his fist and falls <laughs> over. And the guy's like, I've never hit anybody before. Are you okay? He, he says, it was just a jab. Are you yeah. okay? That was just a jab. <laughs> so, yeah, I have that written here. You know, he can't fight for shit. You know, no. he's just, he's not a fighter. And then um, even later, when he's trying to fight with Ray, and he picks him up and throws him in the pool. Yeah. Um, I want to go back for a second to um, the date, the first date that Margie and Ray have. Because okay. there are two instance of, instances of foreshadowing that in that scene. Okay. Okay. F- I will be honest with you here. I didn't, I didn't catch any of the foreshadowing going That's on. Fine. It was It was very strange to me. I thought I caught something, but I was wrong. And I'll tell you what later. Okay. So the first instance of foreshadowing is Ray says, um, you know, I never, all, all the guys at the firehouse have tattoos. I never got any tattoos. Foreshadow towards the end. Okay. The second one is Margie when um, Ray says something about, oh, you know, if he's just given, you know, illegal tattoos in the woods, then, you know, he's not doing that. Like, he's not doing any harm. Um you know, whatever. And she says, I don't think that that's the worst thing he's ever done or will do. So that's a foreshadowing toward the robbery later in the film. Right. So picked up on those two. Yeah. I mean, I guess now that I think about it, but I don't remember her even saying that those were, I don't know. Those were little sly hints. Yeah. I mean, they're there. I'm not doubting it, but I didn't. I didn't pick up on that. Um, at one point, I don't know if it's like a a music montage or something's going on. They're they're showing like firefighters or something. And like I said, the Steve Buscemi thing, he pops up. Now you do realize that Steve Buscemi is a real firefighter, right? No, I didn't know that. Yes, he actually gave up um, acting 
during 9-11 to go back to his firehouse in New York City to oh, help out during, yeah, during, during the cleanups and everything and, and all that that was going on. So, yes, he is an actual New York City firefighter. I don't know any other details on it, just that he is. So when they were showing like that montage, I, I saw him real quick, and I was like, oh, I saw Steve Buscemi, not realizing that he was going to play an actual part in this movie. Right. Which he doesn't make a, a huge, he doesn't play a huge part, but he's definitely in there. Because he shows up, he shows up at the Yankee game, too. As... Right. And see, there was a thing there that I thought was going to be a foreshadow. And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain mm. to you what I thought was going on. So he's basically, he's bad-mouthing them there. He says, you know, I hate firefighters. You know, how dare you guys? How dare you have a family? How dare you guys have kids? You know, do you, do you realize what the consequences are on that? Meaning that, you know, he lost his father when he was eight years old. You know, right. how dare you guys do that? Um, so moving forward, he... The mom's trying to motivate him to move out, you know, and she says, what you're going to do, you're going to walk Ray's kids to school, who happens to be Harold, Mm -hmm. the kid he tattooed, and his younger sister. So he shows up at the the ex's house and she's like, you know, I can't, I can't just give you the kids, you know, you know, that whole thing happens. But regardless, um, this is going to jump in the, in the movie, but he starts talking to the kid about superheroes. You know, he's the kid makes up his own superheroes and he's got what is it, Iceman or Ice Flash or something? Ice, Ice Flash. Fa- Ice Flash. Um so he's teaching him to draw Ice Flash. You know, and they're they're keep, you know, debating on, oh the the powers are no good or, you know, this and that. So later the kid shows the dad, he shows Harold shows Ray the drawing that he did of ice flash and he said oh man that that's terrible because he thought scott drew it and he goes oh no this is one that scott showed me and it was a really good drawing which shows Mm -hmm. that he can draw so that's where i'm confused about the whole tattooing thing i don't i don't know why he's such a bad tattoo artist when he can actually draw good but anyway it felt like he was becoming a father figure to this kid so right. I was afraid that with his comment at the baseball game and then becoming this father figure oh, no. that it was going south. And I was like, oh, my God, this guy's going to die at the end of this movie. So all the way up until the end, when he takes the ferry across and um, now he's in Staten Island and I'm looking around and I'm, I'm thinking, please don't tell me this is a, a, a remember me kind of moment. I was going to say they're going to remember me, you. <laughs> But then I was like, wait a minute, no, no, it wouldn't be Staten Island, it would have been Manhattan. But I was like, oh my God, something's going to happen. There's going to be a fire or something. He's going to have to go in there and fight this fire and he's going to die. It's going to be so sad. And then it didn't. So I was like, okay, so that foreshadow thought wasn't correct. But I was getting that feeling. Like when that happened, like my heart dropped. I was like, ooh, that's going to suck. But it didn't. Yeah. But that's what I thought it was. At least they didn't hit us with that. That would have been bad. Right. Because that was the direction it felt like it was going. Yeah. Um, so, I guess, let's talk about when they go to visit Claire at college. Because I think that part is fun. 
um, you know, they have dinner with the mom and Ray, and Claire's asking, you know, oh, do you, where do you think this is gonna go? Like, what, like, you know, whatever. Just lighthearted conversation. I mean, I don't think that it was, you know, this is a serious relationship for her mom, the first one that she has ever, like, seen her mom have, you know, because obviously they make it pretty clear she hasn't dated in, you know, 17 year, odd years or whatever. So, you know, we see how just uncomfortable it makes Scott and how just, he just does not even want to, like, acknowledge it. You know, they start asking about marriage and he's like, nope, nope, let's go. I want to leave. I don't want to hear this. I want to leave. Right. So I think that that um, scene really shows how, how like stuck on his father's death it, he is. And I don't mean that in a like, oh, he, you know, you're stuck on it. Get over it. I mean it in a, you know, he obviously still hasn't dealt with his own grief, even though, you know, he's an adult now, which is right. very it's a, real. It's an, yeah. It's an emotional reasoning. It's not a, a selfish or, you know, it's not like you're not, gonna, you're not allowed to replace my dad. It's more, I think, an emotional thing. Like he, I think he would be afraid to have him replaced. Yeah. Especially now, I guess. Yeah. But even, even going back a little further in this, when um, she's telling him that they're dating, it's just the two of them having a conversation at home. She's telling him, and he was, he was like, it was like an emotional roller coaster. He was so up and down. Mm -hmm. He was like, um, no, you can't do that. Well, wait, well, I can change. I can change. Or, or no, you can't do it. And then it goes from anger to, um, apologizing for the way he's acting and you know it was just so much going on there i was like man this guy is really he's really messed up yeah well and he even says that throughout the movie he's like you know i messed up like i messed up i messed up in the head and i don't know what's wrong which i mean obviously is an effect of trauma you know from losing his dad at such a young age so i mean it makes sense right but even like you said the whole dinner thing it's like it's like an emotional thing, but now I think he's, since he's there and his sister is there, and there's some other lady there, I don't know if it's her friend. Yeah. Something like that, yeah. and I think it's almost like he had more backing, so he was just like, okay, I'm done. I don't want to be here anymore. Yeah, exactly. And even after the party, you know, they go to the party afterwards, and then after the party, Claire and Scott are, like, walking home. Not necessarily, he's not going home. I don't know where he's going, but, you know, they're going, walking across campus. And they have the, you know, conversation where he's like, I really like it here. Like, I, I feel like I fit in here. And she's like, well, go to college. Why don't you just go to college? And he's like, actually, no, I'm too stupid. I will not go. Well, yeah, he, he's like, I didn't even graduate high school. And she's like, you can do that. You know, there's nothing stopping you. You can do that. And he said, no, I don't want to go. And then she's like. Oh, so that's it. So that's that's the the whole consideration of college. That's it. In one second, he goes, "Yep, that's pretty much it." So he has no no drive to to do that. Yeah, she says something about, "Oh, you know, the forty second walk across campus. That's how long you're going to think about college." And he says, "I think that's a considerable amount of time." Right. And then after that, they go into one of my favorite analogies, just in general, is. Um, the situation where they're like, you know, what are we going to do about Ray? What are we going to do about Ray? And she's, 
Claire's like, what do you mean? What are we going to do about Ray? Mom's happy. I don't care. You know, being the mature one of the two. And he compares Ray to, you know, putting yourself in a situation where if you were given the opportunity, would you kill baby Hitler? Right, right. <laughs> Which is just so I'm then, off the wall. He he says that, right? Yeah. Yeah, so she's like, you're comparing him to Hitler. You're comparing him to she baby like, Hitler, yes. Right, she was like, that's that's a mu- bit much is what she was getting at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I just think that his reach to comparing a man who his mom is dating to this war criminal, you know, is just such a an extreme reach that I don't even know where his head was at to even get there. And you know he was probably thinking about that for a long time. Right. <laughs> so after the college party, he goes back home. And they had been talking to him, his friends had been talking to him about the whole pharmacy robbery. Right. And they were like, we're going to do this. And he, and he, this was the the first time. And um, he's like, we're robbing a pharmacy. And they're like, yep. He goes, I'm out. And he like packs up his stuff and he's leaving. And they're like, oh, what, you're just not going to do it? He goes, no, I'm, I'm not going to do that. And I don't know, does somebody own that, that they know? It's like they know somebody who works there and they gave them some sort of key code or a copy of a key or something. So then after the college party, though, he goes back home and he was like, fuck it, I'm doing it. Yeah. You know, he basically gets pushed over that edge and it's just like, I have to do something stupid. Right. So uh, they have him as the lookout and who is it? Igor and... uh, Igor, Richie, and Oscar are the friends. So the three of them, well, really the four of them, are going to rob this. And they're, you know, he's going to stay out and he's going to call them if there's a problem. Mm-hmm. No, no, text him. What's he say? What's he say to text him? You up. Are you up? You up? And he goes, why would I text you that? He goes, well, like we're gonna, I'm trying to hook up with you or something late at night? He goes, <laughs> you're just going to do it. Okay. <laughs> and then... um so they're in there, and you know the uh, manager or the owner or whatever comes out, and he catches them, and he starts shooting at them, and so it's gunfire, and he hears them out there, and he's trying to text them, and uh, you up, you up, you up, you up, and he's he keeps texting it, and then they're not answering, so he's like, you want to fuck, you want to fuck, you want to fuck, something like that. Yeah, he's going, want to fuck, want to fuck, want to fuck, want to fuck. Because he's like in a panic out there, and. Uh, the one guy gets shot, right? Yeah, one of them. I think it might be Richie because I think he's the only one we don't see in jail. No, it wasn't because it was the other guy. Oscar? Yes, because he's talking to him in jail and his arm is in a sling. Oh, you're right. And Igor is trying to hook up with some girl and they keep accusing him of being catfished. Yes. Because they keep showing him pictures. Like, oh, that girl don't exist. So when he goes to jail, he's talking to him. He's like, look, it's that girl. And it's like, oh, my God, she's real. So he's all excited. You know, he's in jail and he's meeting this girl, which is weird. That's when his mom kicks him out, though. Right. He has no place to live. So he's asking, which one is it? It's not Richie. It's the other Oscar. guy. It's, he's asking Oscar, hey, uh, 
while you're in here, can I stay at your house? You came here to see me, so you could you could uh, ask me if you could stay at my place. Well, I don't have anywhere to stay. Oh, man, I really thought you came to see me. He goes, no, but you're going to feed my cat. He goes, I hate cats. I'm allergic to them. But that fucking cat dies. So he's giving him shit for it. <laughs> so that's when, you know, he um, he goes to Kelsey's yeah. and he sleeps with her. And then he's like, hey, uh, do you mind if I stay for for a little bit? Like, you know, crash here for a while? Oh, so that's the only reason you were here. So that turns her off from from him. So he's like burning bridges like all over the place. Right. He, it's like it's like at this point he can't do anything right. Right. You know? Yeah. So now he's desperate because, you know, mom kicked him out and kicked Ray out. And turns out Ray doesn't have a place to live either. So he's living at the firehouse. Right. And that's when, you know, everything transitions to the, the stuff at the firehouse. You know, he has the, the fight with Ray. And Ray throws him in the pool. And the mom comes out. And she's, oh, you tried to drown? Or no, he says, oh, man, you tried to drown me. He's like, you're seven foot tall. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, so the mom is, I guess, at that point starting to realize that, you know, Ray's a real loser. Right. Scott ends up at the firehouse, and he's like, you know, I got no place to go. So the, I think the other firefighters take him in pretty well, but Ray doesn't. Yeah. And uh, he starts, you know, they start hazing him. Um, you know, when he falls asleep, they spray him with the fire hose to wake him up. Uh, <laughs> and they just, they're making him clean the truck. And he's getting pissed about cleaning the truck. He says, what the, what the fuck do I have to clean the truck for? Why does it matter if the truck shows up to a fire? It's going to get fire all over it. <laughs> or it's going to get smoke all over it. You know, why are we cleaning it? He says they're gonna get fu- it's going to get fire all over it, which is so <laughs> fucking off the wall. <laughs> and, then, and then he's spraying it with the hose, and he's spraying the hose in his mouth. And they're just, like, looking at him like, what, what is wrong with this guy? <laughs> Um, I think that that moment is the moment where I think Ray realizes he's being an asshole because the conversation between Steve Buscemi and Ray at that moment as he's cleaning the truck is, you know, were you on, were you on duty the night that his dad died? You know, whatever. And he's like, yeah. And he says, you know, what was the first thing you you thought? Oh, I wondered if he had kids. Like, yeah, Ray, you're kind of being an asshole. Right. Like, ding, ding, You now you realize he did have a kid. Yeah. And this is him. Exactly. And this is what happened to him because of that. Exactly. And he, like, talked shit about Scott's dad to Scott, you know, during that argument. He was like, you know, your dad was a coward. I knew your dad, and he was an asshole, you know, whatever. So it's like, right. after you did that, like, come on. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot. I think that they, you know... After this, they start to kind of develop that father-son relationship that mm-hmm. Scott's never had. And, right. So, and that was another thing I thought there was going to be another foreshadow. Um, so he starts kind of warming up to him a little bit again, mm-hmm. where um, they, you, like you said, they start to feel like they have that father-son thing going mm-hmm. on. And then there's a fire call in the middle of the night, and or no, not in the middle of the night, but during the day, and. Um, He's like, Scott, you want to go on this one? And he's looking around and he goes, is that, is that cool? Yeah, jump in. So he's jumping in and he's in the, in the truck with them. Mm-hmm. And he gets to the fire and they're feeding the hose or whatever. And then here goes Ray up the ladder and goes into the window. And he's looking like, oh shit. And you're getting that feeling like you're, you're seeing him as your father and he's going to this building. Is he going to come back out? Right, exactly. So I'm thinking something's going to happen. The kids are going to be orphaned. 
he's going to be orphaned. You know, it's going to be a big deal. None of that actually happened, but I got that feeling. I don't know if that was any of that stuff was intentional to make you think that or. I think that it was. I think that it was intentional because this is a movie where they very much want you to feel the same way as Scott. Like they want to, you know, give you all of the information that they're giving Scott. So I think that it was intentional in that moment because that scene was from his perspective specifically. So they wanted you as an audience member to feel the same way that Scott feels. And Scott feels that anytime you go into a fire, there's a possibility you're going to die, which is true. It's true. But that feeling for him is elevated because he, you know, already has like suffered this horrible loss because of it. Right. So in his head, he's thinking, he just went into a burning building. My dad didn't come out. He's not going to come out. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's the feeling I was getting watching it. Yeah. And that's why I didn't know. But it didn't. It didn't happen. Right. Um, but I guess after that, Ray's still warming up to him. And he's, you know, they're, they're being friendly. So he says, um, I never had a tattoo. You know, I'm going to let you give me a tattoo. And he's like, what are you, crazy? He goes, I, I do terrible tattoos. No, no, no. He says, I, I want you to do one on my back. He goes, I don't care what it is because I won't be able to see it anyway. He says, just no uh, no Chinese writing and no, I forget. He's got a whole list of things he's not allowed to do. Unicorns, shit that little girl's color in. Um, there's something else. Maybe no pot, no weed imagery or something. Because he does all that stuff anyway. <laughs> Right, so he's telling him to uh, to do this tattoo. So during that time is when the whole superhero thing shows up, mm-hmm. you know, and you could see that he's a really good artist. And they're at one point, so he's tattooing on his shoulder, and they're only showing you, they won't show it to you, and they're, they just kind of show you a little clip of one part, and it looks like some kind of flames or something. It's like, oh, man, he's going to be doing something really top-notch. I'm yeah. thinking this is going to look, it's going to be like a big... Uh, the, the, maybe the firehouse symbol or, you know, whatever ladder they are, or whatever. It's going to, it's going to be really neat. And then, you know, then he's, it's taken him a long time. So they're showing it in clips. So the, the kids are watching and he's like, Oh dad, yeah, you're going to love this. Oh, is it really that good? Oh yeah, it's really good. <laughs> and then they finally show the mother and she's like, you let him tattoo you. He goes, Oh yeah, check it out. And they show it to you. And it is just off the wall. Shit everywhere you know he's got a little ghost somewhere he's got i think the star david is on there at one point he's got the chinese writing i i didn't even pick up so it was it went (laughs) by quick but it was all these just garbage of like just sketches not even sketches doodles right that one's my favorite Um, but then up in the corner of his shoulder you got ray scott the mother and I think the sister, correct? Because mm-hmm. she, yeah, she was in the graduation cap, and then you have his father up in kind of in the sky with flames around him, like, like almost like a, a heavenly kind of picture. Yeah. So it was like that that feel good kind of thing. Like it was like, oh man, that's really nice. He's like trying, but my God, that guy's a terrible tattoo artist. Um, I think that this tattoo has a lot of symbolism, and the placement of it has a lot of symbolism um because i think it what i think it means is that um you can give people the tools for success without seeing the final product 
because right. he is doing it from the goodness of his heart. He wants he wants to be able to let um, Scott improve. He wants him to be a good tattoo artist. He wants him to, you know, go on and get this apprenticeship and, you know, achieve his dreams. Um, which then there we go again with, you know, the father-son dynamic between the two of them. So that's just what I think it means. I'm not totally sure. It could be nothing in terms of anything, but I think that that's what it means. I think that it's to paint Ray as sort of a mentor for Scott. Right. Backtracking a little bit to Igor's tattoo, one of the tattoos that he's got, he says it's his favorite, is the cat that's on his stomach. <laughs> yes. With the his belly button is the butthole. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I love this, which is a, I don't know if that's really his tattoo, but that is a real tattoo because I've seen it before. Yeah, I've seen crazy ass tattoos like that too. Mostly with monkeys for some reason. I don't, I don't really know why. Oh, maybe it wasn't, I just saw one that was similar to it. Maybe it wasn't, but regardless, it was a nice, it was a nice gesture. Right. You know, that, you know, he was, he was trying to do something genuine, but it was, I mean, if you think about it, that's his style. That's, he was going to do, it's, it's not, you know, couldn't really expect him to do, you know, something too great. I don't know. I, I thought it would have made it for a good movie, but for this type of movie, I think that, that worked just fine. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Because it goes, it coincides with the weird tattoos he currently has. Yeah. Which, like you said, are real. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how true the tattoo storyline is. To be honest with you, I don't, I don't know if that's what Pete Davidson wanted to do, and that's why he has all those wacky tattoos. But, um, I mean, it's definitely a possibility, I guess. Right. I'm sure if you looked up more info, you could find more about him. Yeah. And why he's tattooed that way. Where were they when they were? Oh, they came back from the fire. After the fire. Right. When Ray cl climbs through the window or whatever and they get back and everybody's okay. Mm -hmm. They're at like a bar or something. Right. And they're all singing. Yes. And they're, they're singing, singing one, one headlight. headlight. Yeah. And they don't know the words. So they're <laughs> just like blah, blah, blah in it until it gets to the chorus and they kick in. Which is funny because so many people sing music that way when they don't know the words. They just blabber through it until yeah. the chorus. Yeah. It was very much like a real life moment. It really hurt me to watch because that's one of my favorite songs so to hear them butcher it so badly it was it was really something it was really something <laughs> right and then i guess that whole thing brings him back to the whole kelsey situation where he starts realizing that he cares about her yeah and he wants to patch things up with her because after that situation with him basically using her for a place to sleep. Right. She she wasn't she wasn't digging it. And she, you know, she she brought the the date to the restaurant to try and um make him jealous. Make him make him jealous. And she's like, you know, I I brought this guy here and you're not even jealous and you know, he's a terrible date and I'm leaving. And he's like, um Okay, he just he wasn't catching on. So I think he's just so emotionally unstable that he she's, he's he wasn't even paying any attention to that. Right. He figures she's she's doing her thing. He's fine with that. Yeah, exactly. 
So he wasn't going to have any reaction to that. So after the fire and everything, and I, I think he, this is one of those um, coming of age types of movies too. Yeah, definitely. Because you can see him mature throughout the movie mm-hmm. to a point, only to a point though. So he's talking to, I guess he's talking to Ray and he says, um, you know, you need to go do it. You need to go do it. So then he ends up on the ferry with her. Right. And she's take, going to take her test for A uh, civil service test. Civil service? she wants to work in the city. Yeah, she wants to be a city planner. So she can make okay. Staten Island, uh, like Brooklyn, basically. So she's trying to study and he's like, well, do you, do you want me to quiz you? And she's like, uh... Okay, so he, he reads her a question. She gets it right. He goes, are you sure you're not looking at this over my shoulder? No, no, I'm not. And then he, he just blurts out, like, I love you, right? Yeah. And she's like, uh, I, I, I got to take this test. I'm not <laughs> interested in that right now. So he like, it, I, I almost feel like that was like a big moment for him. Like, yeah. uh, I'm going to, I'm going to. I'm going to get some guts here and I'm just going to do it. And he does it and it's like, boom, shot down. He was like, oh, uh, now I don't know what to do. Right. Yeah, because his whole thing is like, he says something like, I love you and I don't know how to express it and I'm sorry. So that's why I'm weird all the time. And, you know, whatever, I'm really sorry or something. And it was like, yeah, okay. (laughs) Yeah. Next question. Exactly. He's like, so uh, should I ask the next question now? <laughs> and then once they get to Staten Island and she goes into the building or whatever, does she say that she loves him too? I forget. I do not remember if she says. I think she might. I think she might. So they basically make that connection at the end. And right. then, like I said, I was so afraid that something bad was going to happen at that point. Mm-hmm. But it was just kind of the end of the movie. Yeah. You know, it it, fa- it faded off and then it showed. And that was the thing. I didn't realize that it was based on a true story or that his father had died. But it, it goes right into that. I want to say his, his dad's name was Don or something. Yeah, something like that. Don Davidson or something like that. But they showed a picture of him and it says, you know, that he died in 9-11. It's like, oh, okay. That makes sense. But then started thinking, it's like, wait a minute. That's not how he died in the movie. So it's loosely based. It's like a. Right. Yeah. Because obviously his Scott isn't living at home with his mom and doing nothing. He's obviously an actor. Right. Well, um, Pete, rather. Pete Davidson. Right. Um, so with, you know, Kel- Kelsey finally going into her test, um, I think that her last line is really important. Um, because, you know, she says something about, oh, um, do you want to wait for me? And, you know, we'll take the ferry back to Staten Island together. And he's like, oh, yeah, sure. And she's like, he's like, how long is it going to be? You know, oh, three and a half hours. And he's like, oh, I guess I'll find something to do. And she says, you know, oh, well, why don't you go find something to do? Get some culture. Maybe broaden your horizons a little bit. Which, that's the whole point of the movie. That was, that's Scott's story. This is Scott becoming, you know, somebody new. He never thought he was going to get out of Staten Island. And, like, now he kind of is. He's, you know, he's in the city now. Which, I mean, it's a literal thing. You know, he's literally out of Staten Island while not, you know. You know what I mean. Right. So it 
it does broaden his horizon. Like you said, that's a good that's a good statement at the end of yeah. the movie. So that brings me to the end of my list because I I didn't really have much to analyze in this one. Because I think it was just a really a straightforward just a good movie to watch. And I, I would yeah. definitely watch it again just for the the one liners and the you know, just it was a good story. I'd I'd watch it again, just see, you know, if I could pick anything else up and it's got a good dialogue, you know, stuff I would use in my personal life to <laughs> quote, yeah. just to do it. Yeah, I mean, this movie has a lot of amazing content, and I'm sure that there's a lot more to analyze, but I think that this is only the second time that I've seen it. Yeah, this is only the second time that I've seen it, so um, there's probably stuff that I am not picking up on. Sometimes it takes a couple of minutes, a couple of watches. Um, but I think that they're really, there's a lot of, you know, reoccurring themes more than anything. Um, mostly being like, um, Scott, um, what did I say before? Mostly being, um, Scott causing problems without facing consequences and then finally facing the consequences of his actions. Um, you know, a lot of, um self-destructive tendencies with him um a little bit of foreshadowing not as much as we are used to but i mean like i said we're it's a dramedy um a lot of good one-liners i like the did you just fuck me for shelter that one's good um yeah i mean it it's a good story definitely a good coming of age i would say well, I do find that watching a movie for the first time and trying to pay attention to everything that goes on and mm-hmm. be able to talk about it later is kind of hard for me, only because I'm so used to all the movies we've done leading up to this have been movies I've seen numerous times. Right. So I know them front and back, and I know when there's certain things that happen, I was like, oh, it's a foreshadow because I already know what happens. Right. So it was a little bit different, and I think I would struggle with something similar that was more complicated. Like, if, if I would have done Inception completely blind, I would have never been able to discuss it the way we did. I would right. have never picked up on things that I did. Yeah. So That's fair. when you have people that review movies, they'll sit, you know, they go to the theater, like movies that are just new releases, you know, use Siskel and Ebert as an example. When they would watch a movie, they would just watch it and sit and talk about it. It's, for me, that would be hard to to know if it was a good or a bad movie just by watching it once. Yeah. Now, if it gave me that, oh, man, that, that sense of, you know, that tingle, that, oh, man, that was so good, or, you know, had a good ending or had a good moment in the movie. Mm-hmm. But to watch it again and feel better about it and pick things up, those, those are the ones I like. Yeah. Not just a, a once over, you know. There's some movies that they're such a good movie you only want to watch once just because, ah, oh, it was a good movie, but I don't really need to watch it again. Um, that movie Breakthrough was kind of like that. The mm. one where the kid gets trapped under the ice. I don't know if I've ever seen that. It's good, but I think once you see it, I don't really, I don't know. Mm. It's a sad it's a good, sad movie. It ends up good in the end, but I don't know. 
it's 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 good to watch once, but gotcha. not to continue to watch. Yeah, that makes sense. That definitely makes sense. Because you know the kinds of movies I like. You know, like we always talk Back to the Future. Um, that's one of my all-time favorites, only because there's so much going on in there, and there's so much you can pick up. Right. I almost feel like every time I watch it, and Ready Player One was one of those ones also. Yeah. There was so much in that movie, and I still know that there's more that I've not seen. Well, that's Mr. I Spielberg. F- <laughs> I feel like they every scene, you could pause it and just say, okay, there's this, 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 and this. You know, just even from the, the sound bites to the, 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 you know, the quick flash of something. It's like, oh, you know what that even meant? You know, the Rubik's Cube, mm-hmm. when he opens the Rubik's Cube, and then they play the Robert Zemeckis music that was in Back to the Future 2, and it's like, uh, did anybody else hear that or <laughs> see that? Do you know what that's from? I picked up on that. But doing um doing a movie once over, it's, it's tough. Yeah, that's fair. Understandable. Unless it's a movie that really gets you thinking, you know? And well, I if think- it was one of those... Like, really got me thinking. I'd probably say, oh, I'm going to have to watch that again. Yeah. Yeah, I get like that. Because if there was, if this one was too complicated, I watched it Saturday. I could have always watched it again Tuesday. Right. Just to get it in again. But I felt confident that I understood it. Yeah. Well, that's but good. I want to make sure that I wasn't missing anything also. Right. Exactly. So, I mean, I feel like I did all right. Well, that's good. (laughs) So, with this one wrapping up, what are we doing next week? Next week, we are doing Shutter Island, uh, directed by Martin Scorsese from the year 2010. It's a two-hour and 19-minute runtime. It is available on Netflix for streaming if you want to watch along with us. I've got nothing else to add. Uh, That one is probably a real thinker. I haven't seen that since I was in high school. I think I've only ever seen it once. I believe I've only seen it once. I just I know there's a twist. I I remember what the twist is, but um, I know if you pay attention, you can kind of pick up on it before it happens, kind of thing. Like yeah, it's almost like when you watch The Sixth Sense, you know the twist, but when you watch it again, it's like oh shit, I never realized that. Oh shit, I never realized that. Right. So I'm wondering if it's more like that. But it's been a while since I've seen it, so I don't know if I'll get that same feeling. Yeah, it's crazy. I watched it for a. I feel like it was a psychology project or a final or something. So we did a psychological analysis on it, and that was pretty fun. Um, because the whole thing's about like a mental hospital, right, or mental institution. Something yes. Like that. Mm-hmm. So that was interesting. So yeah, um, that's next week. If you want to watch along with us, um, I hope that everyone is enjoying the video content because I think that it is adding something. I think that it's fun. I think that it's fresh. I think that it has done something for our numbers. I will say that. So I think that it's working and I think that people are enjoying it. Um, Yes, we we gained a few extra followers this week. Um, I want to say it's like eight or nine maybe. Yeah. Yeah. we joined some podcast. Oh, we joined some podcast groups that we can get our um, our page out there and let you know try and get out of just our local friends or family 
so we can get a, a broader horizon. I, I had somebody friend me as long as I friended them, and I did listen to his podcast, and it was it was pretty good. It sounded really nice. You know, his uh, music and everything was good, so we hope to do something like that in the future, jazz it up a little bit. This is all obviously a work in progress every week, so every week we're looking to make it a little bit better. Um, we're always up for suggestions of any kind. If you have something you think will make the show better, will make it more fun for you, fun for us, you know, I'm. we're always down. You know, Facebook and Instagram messages are always open. If you're not following us, um, we are at facebook.com slash filmfrenzypodcast and Instagram at filmfrenzypodcast, all one word for both of those. Those are the places that you will hear from us the most. I don't think I got anything else. That's all I got. Yeah, this is kind of a short one this week, so I guess we will see you guys next week for Shutter Island. All right, see you next week. See ya. This episode of Film Frenzy contains spoilers for The King of Staten Island. Consider this your spoiler warning.